0: Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host this week, Jay Cresswell from 98.7 K-Love. Thanks for joining me. Later on this hour, we'll catch up with Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. We're going to give you some tips on how to protect yourself and some research tips when selecting a business as well as how you can avoid online scams when doing your online shopping this holiday season but first susan houston is the executive director of the texas parks and wildlife foundation this year with the pandemic there's been a huge rise in outdoor activities in nature since 1991 Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation has raised more than $205 million in private philanthropy to ensure the future of Texas wild things and wild places. I'd like to welcome our first guest this morning. Her name is Susan Houston. She's the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation Executive Director. Good morning, Susan. How are you?
1: Good morning, Jay. I am doing great. How are you today?
0: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, you know, we want to get the lay of the land. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the history and purpose of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation?
1: Sure. Um, Well, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation was organized in 1991, so about um, 30 years uh, next year and the reason that we were organized is to provide private support to texas parks and wildlife department um, the state agency that oversees all the lands waters and wildlife uh, for texas and so the foundation we raise funds to support the department's efforts and The funds that we raised really enabled the department to, you know, do bigger and better things um, than they may, you know, be able to do with just public funding alone. Mm -hmm. So we're able to leverage um, the public funding that they do receive and, um, you know, do more conservation work throughout the state.
0: I think that we all uh, know that during the COVID-19 time, the demand for parks and outdoor activities are way up. Has that enabled you to do more projects and programs, or has that been a hindrance?
1: From the foundation's perspective, COVID has, you know, really put a damper on our, our fundraising efforts. But we have definitely seen an increase in the desire for people to get outside, and it, you know, I think this pandemic has really made everyone kind of step back and reflect on the importance of being outdoors and how important it is for just, you know, not only, you know, physical health, but mental health. And so while it's put a damper on fundraising, there's still this huge support network Um, and you know, we've got some fairly significant projects that we're working on right now. And um, it, it's been challenging, but, you know, we're, we're making it.
0: Uh, I have a list of some of your major projects and programs, and I'm going to go down the list. I'd like you to reflect on them and tell me, you know, what's going on. Uh, let's lead off with the Palo Pinto Mountain State Park. Uh, what's going on there?
1: So Palo Pinto Mountain State Park is... Um, really the the primary project that we're working on right now and um this park is located about 90 minutes west of the dallas fort worth area it will be the first state park in north texas in about 25 years wow so we're extremely excited about it and obviously with you know the you know, the growing population in Texas, we of course need more places for people to get out and enjoy the outdoors. And the park is um, a little over 4,000 acres and um, the foundation is raising $9 million in private funding to support the state funding of this Approximately thirty million dollar project, and um, the project itself will be, you know, fairly light on the land. Mm-hmm. Um, the area that is going to be developed is, you know, a, fa- a fairly small footprint. But what is really beautiful about um, the area. It's got just these rumbling, you know, rambling hills and stunning vistas. There's a 90-acre lake. Wow. And it's going to be a beautiful area to hike and bike. Um, You know, we'll have horseback riding. There'll be an equestrian campground. Uh, There'll be, you know, fishing and kayaking at the lake. Um, There'll be camping. So just, you know all kinds of outdoor opportunities. Um, And being so close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we just feel like it's going to be hugely popular.
0: Uh, Literally, and that's what got me when you first said it. It's basically, you know, a little over an hour and change away from Dallas-Fort Worth and Palo Pinto County. So uh, is there an estimate on completion or that, I guess, is based on how much, how quickly you can raise the funding?
1: We won't be able to start construction on it until we have the nine million committed. Um, we do have about half of that raised. Good. And so our our hope and our goal is to have the park open by 2023, mm-hmm. which is actually the centennial for the Texas State Park System.
0: Perfect. So, uh, recently, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation has been involved in some uh, fairly large land acquisitions. Tell me about Powderhorn Ranch.
1: Powderhorn Ranch is um, more than 17,000 acres, and it's located um, near Port O'Connor along the Texas Gulf Coast. And um, this property... The foundation raised funds to a- acquire the property, and um, we first acquired part of it in 2014, and then we finalized um, the third phase in 2016. And it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, grasslands and wetlands and you know, wonderful wildlife on the property. And in 2018, October of 2018, the foundation transferred almost 16,000 acres to the department, which is now a wildlife management area. Mm -hmm. And then the balance of the acreage, uh, we still own, but it will be a state park. Um, And that's about 1,300 acres, and um, our intent is that we will – Transfer that to the department in 2021,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then the department. You know, it it will be a number of years before it actually opens as a state park. Uh, But that is that's the plan uh, for that piece.
0: Susan, how do these uh, land acquisitions come about? I mean, do you look for them? Do you scout for them? Do foundations come to you? How does that work?
1: Well, the foundation. You know, we work closely with the department, and the projects that we focus on are. Um, Projects that the department deems the priority. And Powderhorn Ranch has been at the forefront for many conservation organizations over the years. Mm -hmm. It was just a really critical piece that um, people realized uh, needed to be conserved. And so, you know, it's been on the radar for many years, and we just had the opportunity um, when the Deepwater Horizon oil spill happened and there were funding that came out of that with the Restore Act, uh, the Gulf Environmental Benefits Fund, we were able to secure funds through National Fish and Wildlife Foundation um, and then raise private funds Mm -hmm. to go with that in order to acquire this, this property. And so it just, you know, kind of the stars aligned and, you know, we had a, um, you know, a willing seller and, you know, we were able to raise the funds and um, made it happen.
0: Beautiful. Now, uh, tell me about the Matagorda Island Coastal Conservation.
1: Sure. Um, so the, the Matagorda Island Conservation is, again, you know, those were, um, there are also funds from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, and so the foundation we provided a 10% match for a six million dollar grant that that was focused on the Matagorda Bay system, which is a priority conservation area for the state of Texas. So we focused on that, and then you know, kind of within that, um, just. This month, um, there were two more critical tracks that were acquired, and that enabled the Parks and Wildlife Department to really expand their uh, Matagorda Peninsula, Peninsula Coastal Management Area. Got it. So really through you know, private funding that Parks and Wildlife Foundation were able to provide and other philanthropic partners, you know, we've really been able to see more than 6,700 acres along that um, coastal habitat Mm -hmm. permanently conserved.
0: We are speaking with Susan Houston. She's the executive director of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation this morning on Better Living. Uh, Tell me about the Gear Up for Game Wardens program.
1: So Texas Parks and Wildlife Department um, has over 500 Texas game wardens and the game wardens you know they oversee the regulations uh, pertaining to wildlife conservation you know hunting fishing uh, etc and and many of these game wardens are you know they're spread out um, throughout the state of Texas and need specialty equipment to be able to do their job more efficiently and and safer. And so the foundation uh, in 2017, we launched a program called Gear Up for Game Wardens. And what we do is we raise funds and then we purchase equipment that game wardens need out in the field. Um, We've raised about uh, about 1.5 million Uh, in the last three years, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um, have been able to equip game wardens throughout, you know, the 250 counties um, in Texas.
0: Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Susan.
1: Well, and that includes, uh, you know, also special operations, which um, could be search and rescue teams. Um, We have a canine unit. So, you know, if it's um, search and rescue needs or if it's, um, you know, confiscation of trying to find, um, you know, specific equipment that has been used in, you know, poaching cases, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're out there trying to make sure our game wardens are, you know, getting the equipment that they need.
0: Susan, with the state as big as Texas and with as many areas that you cover, can, can you give me a guesstimate on how many Texas game wardens. There are
1: yes, there's. Uh, I think there's about 551 to date.
0: Wow. K- could you use more?
1: Well, I'm sure. I'm sure the department would always like to have more. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to them. But um, we've got um, quite a few game wardens. But when you consider, you know the. The size of Texas, um, they have a lot of ground to cover. Sure. I mean, they, you know, they patrol 1,200 miles of the border. Um, you know, huge shoreline. I think I like think I heard they probably travel over 10 million miles by vehicle each year. Wow! And then they also patrol, you know, the coast. Yep. Um, so they've, they've got a they've got a big job.
0: Uh, yes, <laughs> and and it will get bigger all the time. Uh, please tell me about the We Will Not Be Tamed membership program.
1: Sure. Uh, the Parks and Wildlife Foundation, we, we have a membership program, and the, the name of it is We Will Not Be Tamed. And uh, it's just an opportunity for our supporters to stay engaged. Um, you know, we have about 600 members, And uh, when you become a member, your membership fee just, you know, helps support the foundation and its role in um, supporting those efforts of the department. And we, um, we have ambassadors that we work with each year that kind of help promote um, the program. And these are people, you know, they may be, um, guides that, you know, they may, they're involved in different um, aspects of the outdoors. And so they help us promote the foundation and our membership program. Um,
0: The next one seems to be self-explanatory, but I'd rather you explain it to me. Stewards of the Wild Young Professionals Program.
1: (laughs) You're right, Jay. It's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. But um, Stewards of the Wild, um, like it says, is a young professionals group um, which is, you know, we created that to kind of reach that younger group, kind of the 21 to 45 age range,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, the idea is that they support the mission of the foundation uh, and the department. And it's, it's a way for um, them to network with other people, uh, that have like interests with the outdoors. Mm-hmm. They can also at these different. Uh, typically, we will hold events, um, and there'll be conservation professionals that will sometimes speak and um, you know engage and tell them about you know what what they're doing. And um, throughout the state, uh, we also um, you know during COVID, you know. We weren't really doing any events and so our engagement manager matt hughes um, started doing a live stream and so every thursday we have a steward to the wild live stream and again we kind of bring that conservation professional in and just talk about everything that they do and how that kind of um uh, aligns with the foundation and then um a couple of years ago we you know the the department. We really respect and appreciate the whole you know hunting and fishing heritage that we have in Texas. Sure. And so stewards of the wild, um, we launched a mentored hunting initiative, and that has enabled us to reach um, you know kind of this this young group. But you know it, it's not youth hunting. They, you know, of course they're young professionals, but they may not have had an opportunity to experience, you know, fishing or hunting. And so we pair them up with a, a mentor mm. and actually spend, you know, a weekend, um, you know, learning about, you know, legal and ethical hunting and, um, you know, using the food that you harvest. And, um, and it's been a really inspiring, uh, fulfilling initiative. We've I, been really pleased
0: with it. I would imagine that anyone who... Uh, especially in that age group who likes the outdoors that gets to experience a program like that, they're hooked. <laughs>
1: they, they are. Um, you know, we've got about 10 chapters throughout the state and about um, 800 members. So it, it's been a really um, well-received program.
0: Uh, one more I'd like to ask you about uh, the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center in Athens.
1: Yeah, um, so the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center um, has been around uh, about 25 years. Um, It's in Athens, um, which is, you know, what, an hour, hour and a half from Dallas. And it is a fish hatchery, but also an educational facility. It's on a little over 100 acres, um, and it's really a wonderful area that you know, school groups and families and individuals can go and learn more about, like, the, the freshwater fish that inhabit all the different, you know, rivers and streams mm-hmm. in Texas and also learn about um, how a fish hatchery works. And so um, the foundation was involved, um, you know, when Texas Freshwater Fishery Center was originally Built and now we're in the process of raising uh, three million to help them with a capital um, renovation project. Mm -hmm. And so, hopefully, you know, when we get that raised, we'll be able to, you know, update and renovate um, all their outdoor exhibits uh, and various tanks.
0: Uh, We are speaking with Susan Houston, the executive director of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. On this morning's episode of Better Living, Susan, a personal question for you: How did you get involved uh, with the foundation, personally?
1: Well, I had uh, I'm I grew up um, on a small ranch, and so I've always loved uh, the outdoors. And I was fortunate enough uh, many years ago to uh, work for the National Audubon Society um, for their Texas program and you know in, in working with Audubon um, my uh, my boss at that time um, ended up going over to Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation as the executive director um, you know about I guess eight eight or nine years ago and um, I ended up. Interviewing for a position with the foundation and was able to secure that. And so I've been at the foundation for eight years now.
0: Beautiful. And just,
1: um, you know, very blessed to be here. Um, I love what the department does. Um, I love the foundation. We have wonderful, committed supporters and a super staff um, that all love the outdoors and um, is very committed.
0: You know, uh, I think what you do when you find uh, people that work for foundations, regardless of which foundation it is, you find the passion unlike you find anywhere else.
1: It's really it's really inspiring. And, you know, during this time of COVID, you know, we, we had a lot of um, challenges and our team just um, really made it work. You know, I think we – we started, for the most part, working remotely, and, um, you know, everyone kept a great attitude and a sense of humor, and uh, I'm very, very proud as proud well of what, what they've been able to do.
0: As well you should be. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the history and purpose of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation?
1: Sure. Um, well, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation was organized... Um, in 1991, so about 30 years uh, next year. And the reason that we were organized is to provide private support to Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, um, the state agency that oversees all the lands, waters, and wildlife uh, for Texas. And so the foundation, we raise funds to support the department's efforts. And the funds that we raised really enabled the department to, you know, do bigger and better things um, than they may, you know, be able to do with just public funding alone. Mm-hmm. So we're able to leverage um, the public funding that they do receive and, um, you know, do more conservation work throughout the state.
0: Um, you know, I driving around, you see all these – specialized license plates (laughs) i want you to tell me about the quail conservation plate
1: well the quail conservation plate um we launched that about um just just over a year probably a year and a half ago and the idea for you know you see the various conservation plates and those funds Um, are used to go back to organizations um, to use for different conservation efforts. And so the foundation decided to do a plate for quail conservation. And um, so all the funds that we receive from the license plate, um, $22 of the $30 cost for the license plate comes to the foundation. Good. And as we... um, uh, can grow that fund, we will eventually be making, um, you know, supporting the different quail conservation groups mm-hmm. that are in Texas um, to help continue those conservation efforts for quail, like on the ground with, you know, habitat restoration research, um, mm-hmm. outreach, uh, et cetera. So we're, um, you know, trying to promote that quail license plate right now um, during quail season. and. Hopefully we'll um, be able to bring some more funding
0: into
1: that,
0: uh, into that um, fund. Uh, Now, at the beginning of our uh, talk this morning, we talked about the demand for parks and outdoor activities being way up during the pandemic. I would imagine, I mean, do you have a statistical comparison? I guess we're not near the end of the year yet as to park visitations, Boat li- uh, boat licenses, fishing licenses, compared to previous years?
1: You know, I don't have statistics, and, you know, that would be really more in the, the realm of the department to provide that. Sure. Um, we are, you know, we definitely know that there's an increase in visitation at state parks, and the department has seen an increase in, you know, the fishing and hunting licenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just... Uh, you know, across the board, just seeing people, you know, outdoors a lot more.
0: One of the, uh, you know, COVID has affected everyone, everywhere. We know that uh, you have adapted and you're utilizing COVID protocols. Uh, how does that work? I mean, what changes have been made? I know that's a, that's a, a big answer there, but yeah. how, how are you addressing that?
1: You know, as far as the, the department and, you know, state parks, they they are, um, you know, asking people to make their reservations online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the parks are open, but many of them are limiting capacity, and so um, the department is, is recommending that you go online, you know check the specific Park website and then make those reservations um, before just just showing up uh, to make sure that, you know, when you get there, you can actually go in. But I think, you know, the best resource uh, for that, for people who are um, looking to visit, is to go to the department's website uh, and look at those specific parks.
0: Uh, What is that website?
1: Um, It's TBW
0: TPWD.org. Yeah, okay. TPWD.org. Now, we know there are several popular parks around Dallas-Fort Worth that, especially this time of year, would be just lovely. Uh, Why don't you fill us in on a couple of those, Susan?
1: Sure. Um, First of all, Jay, the the actual website for the department I misspoke, it's TPWD.Texas.gov. Got it. And that will take you to the the website, and you can select uh, state parks.
0: I'll make sure we repeat that at the end of the show. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, what what did you ask me? Yeah,
0: tell Uh, us about some of the uh, parks around Dallas-Fort Worth that are great for fall visits.
1: Okay. Um, Well, the closest one is Cedar Hill State Park, um, which is about 20 minutes uh, from downtown Dallas. And Cedar Hill is really known for, you know, mountain biking. Uh, it's very popular. Uh, but there's also fishing at uh, Joe Pool Lake. Uh, a couple of others, there's um, Dinosaur Valley, which is in Glen Rose, which is about an hour and a half from Dallas. Um, they've got the dinosaur track,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, also camping, fishing, hiking, um, Cleburne State Park is about an hour away. Um, they've got hiking, camping. They also have a ADA accessible fishing pier. Uh, and then you've got Lake Mineral Wells State Park and Trailway, um, which is about an hour and a half. Um, it's west of uh, the area in, in Mineral Wells. And again, they've got you know hiking, biking, camping. Um, So you've got,
0: you know, four state parks that are, you know, fairly close. Uh, Some, you know, mostly within an hour, (laughs) (laughs) quite quite frankly, of of the Metroplex. I know some people have questions about accessibility in the parks. I know that Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation is working with private funders to make more accessibility equipment available. um, All-terrain wheelchairs, ramps, other adaptive equipment. Uh, Is that an ongoing thing, or are you pretty set on that?
1: It's an ongoing thing, and, and, you know, the department in general is, you know, focusing on accessibility, Um, and with that, the foundation where we've been able to is we've tried to help um, the state parks in obtaining some of that accessible equipment, and so we'll continue to fundraise for that um, as you know, as we find interested parties um, to help us with that. And so, yes, you're right, we've done um, all terrain wheelchairs, including, you know, sand accessible wheelchairs. We've provided um, some portable ramps um, that are needed in different areas. Um, so, it's just, you know, it kind of varies depending on the park. And I think if, you know, people, um, need accessibility and equipment like that uh, you know checking in with their state park that they want to visit is probably a you know a good idea
0: to find out more about Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation their uh, website is tpwd.texas.gov and there are many ways you can help financially we spoke yeah go ahead sorry
1: so it's kind of confusing Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, that's tpwf.org. Right. But if they want to find out about state parks, they would actually go to that tpwd.texas.gov.
0: Got it. Also, uh, if you would like to become a Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation member, that is wewillnotbetamed.org. And I will make sure we have all this information online as well for those who hear the show this morning. Our guest has been Susan Houston. She's the executive director of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. Uh, You want to get out there and enjoy it, the beautiful fall weather in the state of Texas. Susan, I can't thank you enough for being our guest this morning.
1: Jay, thank you so much. I've, I've so enjoyed it.
0: Uh, Thanks for joining us this morning on Better Living. Welcome to part two of the show this morning. Our guest is Amy Razor. She is the regional director in Fort Worth of the Better Business Bureau. You know, we're approaching Black Friday. We're approaching the holidays. And what better time to speak to an expert from the Better Business Bureau. Good morning, Amy.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: So we can only imagine how online shopping has increased due to the pandemic Um, And as we know, then fraud is likely to increase as well. Uh, I would imagine almost every retailer is expecting to see a huge increase in online sales.
1: Yeah, according to the National Retail Federation, 96% of retailers are expecting to see an increase in online sales this year.
0: Wow. Wow. You know i'd almost like to meet the four percent that aren't (laughs) right (laughs) maybe give them a little help Um, maybe they need it (laughs) so i would imagine there's also a lot more consumers doing research on these online companies
1: absolutely so according to our records um, we are at a 316% increase in consumers doing research for online retailers at BBB over the same time period last year. So
0: uh, that's huge. That sure. is humongous. So, what mm-hmm. uh, I, our listeners should write BBB.org down. Please uh, do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it will not only come in handy, it could help you in the long run. So, yes. we know that retailers have health department guidelines you know, to keep everyone safe, but In-person shopping is coming up. It'll be minimized this holiday season. There Mm -hmm. will be more online purchasing. Uh, Tell us about the scams that may take place. I know that's an endless topic, but uh, give us a bit of a primer on that.
1: And they continue to increase every year as we move into the holiday season. But it has been um, online purchase scams have been among the top three riskiest scams for several years in a row. Um, this year, because so many people and retailers are moving to online, um, we expect to see increases there as well. Um, we actually did a uh, release on our an- online purchase scams, a release of a report um, on what we're seeing in the marketplace, and that was released in October, and you can find that at bbbmarketplacetrust.org.
0: Perfect. Uh you know, one of the things we find out, too, is that people that are most targeted for scams tend to be senior citizens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, senior <laughs> citizens aren't leaving their houses either uh, and are doing more online shopping. So, you know, these kinds of uh, services that BBB is providing, very, very important this time of year. So yes. the the the, per- the scams that are happening now, It's I, I'm reading your notes here. Online mm-hmm. purchase scams were among the top three riskiest scams in the past three years. Mm-hmm. How has that grown over the last three to five years?
1: Um, well, in 2015, it was 13% that uh, had a monetary loss. So far this year, we're at 64%. So a huge increase in the number of people that are losing money online.
0: I mean, I'm not a math genius, but that's five times in five years. Is it? Right. <laughs> um I, I Am I reading this correct? 80.5% of consumers who reported a scam lost money?
1: That's correct, and that's up from 24% just last year. So a steady increase, and uh, that's an increase of 71% since 2015. So it is just continuing to rise.
0: What, what entices people to make online purchases that may lead to a scam?
1: Most of the time it's a better price or um, something that entices them is a price that they might not have seen somewhere else on the same item, um, and, and that's going to be the most common hook to get people to, to make that online purchase somewhere else.
0: Is there a uh, an age group that is more susceptible, or, or should I say uh, that it just happens to more often?
1: Um, we're seeing. That, that mostly age 35 to 44 are at risk of losing money to online purchase scams. And um, with with platforms like social media, Facebook, Google, um, different merchant websites, you might see a pop-up ad uh, that is very enticing Um, and as we know those those platforms also have algorithms and all kinds of fancy ways to see (laughs) the kinds of things that you like so that more things that you would be interested in are going to pop up in your feed and so people are clicking those links to say oh yeah I need that and uh and that you know getting taken to a site that that is not ethical. I,
0: I would imagine you know we do hear people saying out loud I was talking with my friend about buying a blank and suddenly it's in my Facebook feed. <laughs> um, you know, there is truth to that. Yeah, and absolutely. And not just legitimate businesses uh, are showing up in your feeds on social media and, Correct. you know, and websites. Um, why is it so important for people going online to research the website that they're going to?
1: Um, Because many a times, either the the business itself might be above board, but they might not have a secure site, so other people are able to access the information that's being put there. Um, But doing your research ahead of time to know who the business is, um, what they're selling, if they have a good reputation, what other customers say is very important. We've had 81% of... Uh, people that didn't do their research lose money
0: a uh, question um, you know uh, some of the phishing scams that are out there you uh-huh. may you may get an email from your bank, for example that says you know there's a problem we need you to log in and i I would imagine one hundred percent of the time that is a scam uh, right Do you recommend calling the business to confirm that that was Absolutely. or wasn't them?
1: Absolutely call the business. Um, don't click any links that you receive in an email like that. Also take a good look at the email. See if um, the sender, the, the email address of the sender matches the corporation. Most of the times, that's the quickest way to find out if it's coming from somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> you can also find out through different um Maybe spellings or grammar. If it just doesn't sound right, there's probably an issue there.
0: Uh, I, I I admit guilt to uh, falling for one of those many years ago uh, from my bank, and luckily the bank was able to help me out and get my money back. And yes. it, it was just I oh they 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 needed some more information. Here you go, and uh, I, I guess you live and learn. Um, but if you take all the precautions ahead of time, that is not likely to happen.
1: Uh- it's true. But, they, I mean, fraudsters and scammers are, are getting very – they are very smart, and they are very good at making things look legitimate. Um, and the other piece that, that we're warning people about there also is your phones. Your phone can be the, – the call can be spoofed. So it can look like Apple is calling you or Microsoft yes. is calling you yes. um, to verify information on your account, but we can assure you that those those entities are not going to be calling you.
0: I know several people who have been called by their own number.
1: Yes. Because somebody yes, spoofed that's the phone number. at its best.
0: Exactly. <laughs> or the other one is, you know, the first three digits of your phone number match yours. Mm-hmm. So you assume, I must know this person. They're calling from my area. And generally, they've just uh, spoofed the phone number there. Amy, I'm going to ask you a personal question now. Uh, First of all, uh, thanks for listening to Better Living this morning. Uh, Amy Razor is the regional director of the Fort Worth chapter of the Better Business Bureau. I didn't mean to scare you by saying I'm going to ask you a personal question. Um, (laughs) How did you personally get involved with the Better Business Bureau?
1: Oh, gosh. I was um, looking to change uh, careers. And um, saw the job description for this particular job. I've been in nonprofit for twenty years in this area. Um, and didn't realize that BBB is a nonprofit. Yep. And I started to read the job description, and I just checked every box, and I was so excited to learn about the the vast depth and breadth of the programs and services that BBB offers. I think we do a lot more than people think we do. And I just fell in love and been here two and
0: a half years and just absolutely love it. I think those that uh, work for uh, nonprofits or dot or orgs uh, bring mm-hmm. the passion to the job unlike you find anywhere else.
1: Absolutely. And it's that's what it's all about. It's about the reward of doing good in your community and helping people.
0: Well, and that's the other thing, you know. If I'm if, if I'm outside shopping and I'm walking through a shopping center and I see a member of the Better Business Bureau, uh, that completely legitimizes the business <laughs> for those folks. And now you can do that online as well.
1: Absolutely, and and we are not a, um, although we are what's considered a membership organization, a five hundred one c six. Um, you don't just pay your dues to be a member. You have to agree to adhere to our, our standards of trust and to be an ethical business. And And we work with businesses to make sure that they're doing that and that they're upholding those eight standards. And so when you see that BBB seal um, either on a storefront door or online, you can you can rest assured that we have – Checked on those things that they have applied and that they have been um, vetted, so that you you don't have to do that work. We've done that work for you. Yeah,
0: they're good citizens in the business community. Yes. So uh, back to online scams. Uh, you you touched on this one earlier. If a deal looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yes. Now, of course, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, that, that is you know one of those things that. You hear over and over and over again but it really is true um we had you know oh my gosh so many issues last year with with some different products around the holiday time Um, and one of them was an item that was hard to find Um, and it was a hot item that people were looking for and uh, this business happened to have you know a a great supply of of all these hard-to-find things, and they were at a great price, and many people made purchases, and lo and behold, they never received the item that they ordered. Um, The same thing happened with puppy scams, and that was just heartbreaking because people think they're adding this new furry member to their family, and they've made this selection, and it turns out all the... The images were just stock photos of, of animals, and people were purchasing these animals and never receiving them, and that's, that's a big part of, of what we see during this season.
0: You touched on a, another huge point there. Professional photos do not mean that it's the real deal.
1: Absolutely. Those are available online from all kinds of photo stock uh, providers, and it's easy to get you know great-looking photos.
0: Yeah, I mean, any of us can right-click on a photo somewhere and take it, whether it's legitimate or not, or Uh whether we're doing it legally or not. And I would imagine that, you know, scammers don't care about that. Uh, Exactly. But maybe there are scammers that actually pay the subscription price, but they're Uh using stock professional photos to fool you and take your money. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I learned from the notes you uh, provided for us, um, how do you know the website is secure? This is something that was... I mean, I figured this out, but please explain.
1: This is very, very important. And this should be the first thing that you look at anytime you go to a website that um, will be asking for any of your personal information to make a purchase. And that is at the top where the website address is. If it says HTTP but does not have an S, get out of there. The S means secure, and you will also see a lock symbol up there. And that lets you know that the information that is in the website and that you're going to be provided is protected.
0: HTTPS.
1: You've got to have the S.
0: S means secure, (laughs) and it'll have a lock there. I mean, I've been shopping online for 25 years, and I just learned that today.
1: Awesome. It's important for people to know that's that's a big key piece in, in keeping your identity safe and protected. And retailers that have legitimate websites will have that security.
0: One of the things you brought up earlier was, you know, um, the uh, social media sites know the kind of stuff you're searching on the Internet. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So as you're scrolling through, and I'm just going to say Facebook, not that I haven't bought anything that I saw while scrolling through Facebook, Facebook. Um, <laughs> Is that going to be a more likely place? And I'm not putting this on Facebook, but just right. let's, let's just say social media. Is that going to be a more likely place to find these scams online?
1: Absolutely, because that's uh, using the technology is, is how they're able to hide and, and get the information that they need about you and for you so that they can offer you something that's, that's going to be so, so enticing that you're going to. Click, you know, clickbait is, what, is. Yes. <laughs> what you call it, you know. So they're going to show you things that they know you're interested in, and, and that is a highly, highly likely place um, to see an offer or an item that will get your attention because your social media says a lot about you, and they are able to find that information.
0: Here's another thing. Uh, we talked about shopping and seeing the the BBB seal in the window or the plaque. Um That does not necessarily mean that they are. How can people uh, verify that?
1: Correct. And that is something that we also keep an eye on. Uh, If we see a business... Uh, displaying our seal, we will double check it. Like if I'm out and about and I see it, I'll be like, okay, are they legitimate? Um, again, like we were talking about images, yes, <laughs> that are that are easy to grab. You could go grab our logo. So one of the things our investigations team uh, works on diligently is what's called seal misuse, and our we call our logo our seal, mm-hmm. and. Um, We'll make sure that a business that is displaying it is a legitimate BBB-accredited business. But to check yourself, just go to BBB.org, look up that business, and if they are accredited, you will see the A-plus or, or BBB accreditation seal there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, in the, in the older days, or maybe still today, one would find a plaque in a business. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can grab those from another business and put them in their own business, so... Checking it at BBB.org is the smart thing to do. Now, let's say you've gone online and you're going to purchase something, and even though it may not be uh, the price too good to be true, it looks legitimate. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the safest way to make that payment and hopefully not get ripped off?
1: So, as we know, there are more and more, it seems, everyday payment platforms and digital wallets and Venmo and Zelle and all kinds of different ways to move money around. Um, However, when you're shopping online, it is best to use your credit card, not your debit card, your, your credit card, because if there's something that goes wrong, you can contact your credit card company and have them cancel that payment much faster and easier way to take care of it. Of course, your bank is going to work with you if you use your debit card, but it's going to take a lot more time to get those funds back into your bank account. Yes. Whereas with a credit card, it can be put on hold and they can fix the issue for you. So definitely... Keep that in mind. I know it's tempting to use things that, you know, you have money in or prepaid cards or other non-traditional methods. Um, But this is the best way to stay safe when shopping online is to use your credit card.
0: As someone who has had that happen to him, uh, (laughs) I can vouch for that. It was (laughs) much, I think we've all been there. (laughs) Probably. Much easier to work with a credit card company than uh, for say, you know, the debit card and, you know, we know all about certain scams where, with card readers on gas pumps and things like uh-huh. that. Again, uh-huh. much easier to get your money back with a credit card versus your debit card.
1: Yes, and they can quickly freeze um, any activity on the card, whereas if you're freezing your bank account, you're not going to be able to do your daily things like get gas or groceries or anything like that. So you want to make sure that uh, if you're using your credit card and it gets frozen, that it's not going to basically incapacitate you yeah. until you're able to get your money moving again.
0: Uh, let's say I've gone online and I've made a purchase, and uh, I used my credit card, mm-hmm. and it says I'll get it in three to five business days, and uh, you know, track your shipment here. Mm-hmm. Is that safe to click on?
1: You know, you would think it is because you want to be able to just go check on where is that package? Is it coming? Um, but it's better to go to the shipper's website um, and check that code and see if it's real rather than clicking the link to get there. So you can use your tracking number, but go to the actual shipper that they've notified you. So if it's UPS, Amazon, what, whatever you're using, <clears throat> check that tracking number on that entity's website rather than clicking that link. It could be that that link um, is a way to be fishing for getting your personal information.
0: Also, uh, on some of those uh, less legitimate websites, you will see a um, enabled text alerts, mm-hmm. and uh, is that a way for them to get into your phone too, or is that just merely them trying to get access to send you texts and call you?
1: It's access to get your information. Um, what, what people don't realize is that an active phone number is a hot commodity that can be sold. Uh, And so a lot of times when you get – that's why we tell people don't answer robocalls uh, because if you answer, then they know, oh, there is a live human being at the other end of this number because there are so many phone numbers out there now, and so many of them are not linked to an actual person because they're a business, they're a computer, they're whatever has generated the number isn't a human being, so when they are trying to get a phone number that is a legitimate phone number for a person, they can then take that number and sell it to other entities that are going to try and use it to call you to scam you.
0: Yeah, um, it's a never-ending battle to keep up with the technology of those that are trying to rip us off.
1: Yeah, they're, they're brilliant, and they're, they're three steps ahead, if not more, most of the time. Um, in in figuring out ways to manipulate technology to their advantage and and to our disadvantage.
0: I have uh, personally subscribed to uh, something on my uh, cell phone that identifies spam calls and blocks those. Mm -hmm. And for the very little money I spend on that, it is so well worth it.
1: So a lot of people will do those. You have to be careful of how much money you're spending and if it's a recurring charge as well. Yes. So we definitely uh, want people to keep an eye on it. And the best method of all is if you don't know who's calling, don't answer it. Exactly. (laughs) And that's especially important as we were talking before about our senior population. Yes. Um, that is by far one of the fastest, easiest ways is to get them on the phone um, and get them to tell you information and then take advantage of them. And so we, we just say, please don't answer the phone if you don't know who's
0: calling. Uh, I have friends that um, answer the phone landlines, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if they don't know who it is, and I, I, I want to hit them over the head you know it's
1: it's you wouldn't think it's dangerous it wasn't like this you know 20 30 it, years ago well exactly you, you know answered the phone um we say the same thing with the door you know yes uh especially for for elderly you know if you don't know that somebody's coming over and somebody comes to your door don't answer it agreed um just for your own safety and and to avoid getting taken advantage of for
0: sure so uh here we are um We're airing on Sunday morning. Uh, Next Friday will be Black Friday. It is going to be shopping season, especially online compared to past years. Um, Do you have any tips uh, at the BBB to help people with uh, holiday shopping?
1: Absolutely. So this year we're really encouraging people to shop safe and shop smart. And so... Things that we've talked about, you know, make sure that you're doing your research, that you're price checking, that you're seeing if it's a legitimate business. Check BBB.org to see if there are any reviews or information on the business there. Uh, Make sure your information is secure online, Uh, like we talked about, the lock symbol and the S. Um, And then we have a lot of holiday tips and great information at BBB.org. Um, our holiday tips are bbd.org slash holiday tips, and you can check there for information about how to stay safe this holiday season.
0: So, how do you know the website is secure? This is something that was, I mean, I figured this out, but please explain.
1: This is very, very important, and this should be the first thing that you look at anytime you go to a website that. It, Um, will be asking for any of your personal information to make a purchase. And that is at the top where the website address is. If it says HTTP but does not have an S, get out of there. The S means secure, and you will also see a lock symbol up there and that lets you know that the information that is in the website and that you're going to be provided is protected.
0: HTTPS
1: you got to have the S.
0: S means secure. and <laughs> <laughs> It'll have a lock there. I mean.
1: Awesome. It's important for people to know that's, that's a big key piece in, in keeping your identity safe and protected. And retailers that have legitimate websites will have that
0: security. What if I have an unsatisfactory purchase online? How do I get that information to you?
1: That is a great question. We handle things two different ways at BBB. The person that has had the experience, actually three different ways if you want to count um, reporting, we um, can either take your complaint, if there's been a marketplace transaction, which means you've purchased something, um, we can take your complaint and mediate the situation with the seller, um, and we do that on your behalf. You can also write a review. So that is another way to let others know what has happened. So oh. if you write a review, you can, you can go to the business's profile and put the review there. Or if it was something that you feel like is a general scam, you can go to BBB scam tracker and enter the information there. And that helps notify other consumers. And it also have, gives our investigations team the opportunity to look into patterns of complaints and possibly even track down um, unethical businesses in our area that we can then uh, help to uh, expose.
0: Many ways uh, the Better Business Bureau is helping you this holiday season and all, all year round. Holiday tips, complaints you can file, scam tracking, anything else you have to add, Amy?
1: have any anything you want to look into check bbb.org we've got information there on far more than than just holiday shopping all kinds of different tips for consumers on how to stay safe in the marketplace as well as businesses on how to behave and act as an ethical business so we're here to help please reach out anytime or check bbb.org
0: and uh, you know if you have a new business and you would like to become a member of the better business bureau Uh, the Bureau will vet your business and Mm -hmm. you become a member in good standing, and that is only going to help you as a business person.
1: Absolutely. Highly recommend it. Um, Not just because, you know, I work for BBB, but because it lets people know that you're an ethical business in the marketplace and we do vet that information. Um, One other quick thing um, about – the service we provide, we do this for charities as well. Good. So charities even go through a more rigorous um, checklist of information to make sure that they are spending donor money the way that it is intended. Um, so again, during the holidays, we we often feel generous and work with different charities to to do put more good out into the world. Um, and so you can also check on a charity accreditation as well through BBB. And we can tell you um, that they're a legitimate charity and, and that they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing with their funding.
0: Our guest this morning on Better Living has been Amy Razor. She's the regional director of the uh, Fort Worth's Better Business Bureau. Amy, thank you so much for everything you do and your organization does, and we appreciate you being on the show this morning.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to share information.
0: I want to thank Susan Houston, the Executive Director of Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau, for being on the show this morning. I'm Jay Cresswell from 98.7 k Thanks for joining us this morning. Tune in again next Sunday as we focus on another organization or organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.